Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Representative Lynn Hemingway is running a bill at the Utah Legislature this session. It's called the Living Wage Bill, House Bill 73. Right now, it appears stuck in the House Rules Committee. We'll have to see what happens with it. It would raise the minimum wage in Utah from the current $7.25 an hour to $10.25 per hour. According to the Poverty in America Living Wage Calculator, uh, a living wage for a Utah family with two adults and two children is $18.54 an hour. The same family would need to earn $10.60 an hour to hit the poverty line. President Obama is pushing for a higher federal minimum wage, saying that nobody who works full-time should ever have to raise a family in poverty. Opponents of the minimum wage say that such measures are actually counterproductive, often leading to a reduction in hours, loss of jobs. We're going to examine the issue today on the program with Dale Cox, president of the Utah AFL-CIO. Dale Cox, welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, He joins us by phone. William Shugart is J. Fish Smith Professor in Public Choice at the USU Huntsman School of Business. He joins us in studio. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Thank you. And uh, we'd especially love to hear your story. Are you working hard, maybe working two or three jobs, still not making that living wage? Perhaps you're a business owner, worried about uh, the effects on your business. What do you think should be done about the minimum wage? Uh, and uh, the number to call us is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. You can join us by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com, or you can join us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. And we have a couple of comments there. Uh, thank you for those. We'll get to those shortly. Let me start with uh, Dale Cox. Uh, I, I assume that you support uh, this bill, a, a concept of some sort of a living wage, an increase in the minimum wage. Uh, if so, uh, why? Well, we do support the, uh, the increase in the minimum wage for several reasons. Uh, the most important is by not increasing the minimum wage. Every, every time there's, uh, we have inflation, they lose buying power. Men and women that are in minimum wage jobs lose their buying power and and by not raising it we promote poverty we don't promote the way of living that we as americans have come to enjoy and and we should be more concerned with men and women in entry-level jobs and and some that are i hate to use the word stuck but that are content in, in entry-level jobs, uh, we need to make sure that they can earn a living as well as the rest of us so they can support their family. We'll pay it either in health and human services or on the wage, and it just depends on how we want to help these men and women. Hmm. Professor Shugart, uh, I'm making another assumption. I, I'm assuming that you would see some problems with raising minimum wage. Uh, if so, why? I certainly do see problems with the minimum wage, and this is an issue that economists have studied for many, many years. Uh, First minimum wage came in during the New Deal, uh, and every time that proposal is made to uh, uh, raise the minimum wage, uh, new new analysis is done to see what the effects are. Uh, There's no doubt in my mind, because of the law of demand, for labor or for vegetables, that if you raise the price of something, the quantity demanded of that thing will go down. And what what uh, so we're, CBO has estimated that 500,000 people would lose their jobs uh, in the United States if the uh, federal minimum of ten dollars and ten dollars ten dollars and ten cents an hour were uh, adopted. Uh, but the the real issue is not the number of bodies that are employed. It's the conditions of employment for the people that do have jobs. And uh, it's, it, so what first first thing to do, and there's evidence of that, is that hours that employers offer to allow people to work goes down. Uh, and it, it, minimum wage is one reason why in the United States today we have lots of people that are working part-time that would like to work full-time, but employer doesn't is not willing to pay for those additional hours. Uh, and there are also uh, maybe in low-wage jobs, there, there 
aren't very many free fringe benefits uh, on top of the wage. But if there are, if employers offer opportunities for on-the-job training, uh, help with purchasing uniforms if a uh, uniform is required to work, and, and other benefits, if uh, th those would cut uh, when the wage that the employer pays is has to rise. Mm. Let me reverse the order for, for my next uh, set of questions, for, begin with Professor Shugart. Uh, and we'll get into some of these uh, details, um, pros and cons. I want to have you respond to uh, sort of this this impetus, this the this the problem, as it were, expressed by President Obama. He said nobody who works full time should ever have to raise a family in poverty. What well, do you, how do you respond to that? Well, I would say if he were to get rid of a, a lot of the regulations and taxes that raise the cost of of of, uh, of hiring people, raise the cost of business, uh, that that would happen. Hmm. Uh, and and you can't cannot declare from on high what a worker's value to the firm is. Uh, compensation is based upon value added. If I hire this guy and, it's, and I have to pay him $10.10 an hour or $10.25, will that person add more than that amount per hour uh, to the value of my firm? Hmm. And if not, not. Uh, Mr. Cox, uh, I'd like to get your response to some of the arguments that Professor Shugart has uh, put forth, uh, beginning with this kind of the structural argument that you, you, you can't dictate, as, as the professor said from on high, the market is, is going to dictate uh, this. Uh, what do you think about that? This should or should not happen, and, and are there problems associated with that if, if you mandate a minimum wage? I think there, there are problems with any regulation, but regulations are put into place to protect uh, dependents. There, there are as many regulations in place right now to protect industry as there are men and women that work for industry. But I would argue, uh, I've, I've heard the statistics that half a million people will be put out of work if you raise the minimum wage, and I would... I would beg to differ with that because simply if all ships rise with a rising tide, if the minimum wage rises, if the price of vegetables rise, you raise your price slightly to compensate for that. If the price of utilities rise, you, rise your, you raise your price slightly to compensate for that. And we don't invest in the men and women that work for us and that are our front line, whether it be in the food service industry or industry, as we should. I'll, you know, and, and granted, the price of a product will rise, but it'll be minimal. But your men and women will then generate more in the economy by having more purchasing power. Uh, you know, businesses. I've heard businesses will go out of business. I just don't think that's the case. It's just a matter of where you invest your dollars and are you willing to invest them in the men and women that, that make your industry flourish. Professor uh, Shugart, uh, I want to expand on, on, on the argument just made by Mr. Cox. Um, I, I was reading an article. Uh, there's a, uh, a poll commissioned by Small Business Majority. This is an advocacy group for small businesses. Uh, was sort of, I guess, a surprising uh, twist. This is a uh, small business organization who's supporting, essentially, the increase in the minimum wage. Um, and they're, they're putting forth that argument as well, that uh, if you mandate an increase in minimum wage, then there'll be more money from these workers flowing into the economy, benefiting businesses. Well, that, that's the theory of how, we, how to get out of the Great Depression in the 1930s. If you raise farm incomes... Farmers will spend more, and that will jumpstart the economy. It didn't work then, and it wouldn't work now. Uh, labor, uh, they're in markets for labor. Uh, whether or not the a business can pass through higher labor cost uh, uh, to consumers in the form of higher prices for whatever uh, the worker is producing, it depends. And here we have. Uh, uh, how responsive consumers are to a change in price. Uh, I, I suppose if there are any minimum wage workers in the petroleum industry, 
that because of the demand for oil and gas and all that stuff is fairly uh, inelastic, as we economists say, you, you could successfully pass on higher cost of any input, including labor, to in the form of higher price. But offsetting that is the fact that we're talking about entry-level jobs here, people with very few skills that they can bring to the marketplace, and there are lots of them out there. Uh, and the, the question I would have for somebody who is at, at a minimum wage of $7.25 an hour is now, would you rather have a job for $7.25 an hour or not have a job at $10.10 an hour or ten twenty-five? And I, I can't answer that question, but uh, pe- people that are listening can answer that question. Mm. Or would you rather work 40 hours a week for 725 or only 30 hours a week for 1025? Mm-hmm. Dale Cox, I wonder if you, if you respond to that. This is, uh, this is the argument you, I'm sure you've heard this argument before, uh, that that will, that's the jeopardy in raising minimum wage. Reduced hours, loss of jobs. And, and that's, that's the same argument. I, I just don't see the loss of jobs because if you raise the minimum wage and, you know, statistics can, can tell you anything, just about anything you want. They're, they're a good indicator, but I don't think the restaurants, if they all have to charge the same thing, I don't think industry, if they all have the same increase, that it's going to cost jobs. I think minimally, minimally, it may raise the price of a product. But as as uh, was stated, these are ent- most of them are entry level positions, and hopefully the the men and women won't stay there long. They'll move on and progress with the company. But more and more, with jobs going overseas. These are career jobs because there is no place for some of these men and women to go. And, and I agree with what was said. When I entered the job market, I entered as an apprentice, and I made a, a, a much lower raise or rate, but there was, there was a, a stepladder for me to go to. And with trade agreements, and, and we're going off the subject, but with everything that has happened in the last 10, 15, 20 years, those jobs are not there, so men and women more and more have to find a way to make a living in a different industry if they don't have the opportunity to go to college or trade school and get a skill. And therein lies a problem. In 19, I believe it is 1960, or in the 60s, when the minimum wage was $1.60, that $1.60 had approximately $10.70 worth of buying power. And we are not, That's. I think that's all anybody is asking for is is to index or raise it so the buying power of the, these men and women stay the same. Uh, we're going to take a break here uh, coming up uh, shortly. Um, and, and then we're going to involve uh, some of your comments. We have some comments on Facebook, very interesting uh, comments, and we appreciate those. You can uh, add your comments and questions to people who have already responded on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. You can join us at upraxis at gmail.com, or you can call us at 1-800-826-1495. We're talking about the idea of a living wage. Uh, an idea that uh, articulated by President Obama, who's pushing for a higher federal minimum wage, says nobody uh, who works full-time should ever have to raise a family in poverty. That's the idea. So what do you do? Um, and should we raise the minimum wage? Representative Lynn Hemingway, Democrat from Salt Lake City, has proposed House Bill 73, a living wage bill, which would raise the minimum wage in Utah from the current $7.25 an hour to $10.25 an hour. Uh, and uh, I think it's uh, $10.10 an hour is what President Obama is, is uh, proposing on the federal level. We're asking you uh, what you think. We'd love to hear your story. Are you working uh, hard, still not making a living wage? Are you a small business owner? Is this going to affect you? What do you think should be done about the minimum wage? And uh, that's how to join us. Uh, just before we went to the break, uh, Professor, um, I wanted to ask you this, this idea of uh, sort of the uh, we've in years past I think we would have talked about this purely as these are entry level uh, people 
But it does seem to me, anecdotally at least, um, and we've made reference to it earlier in the program, that it, uh, more and more people are working minimum wage jobs, perhaps past entry level. Is it, are you seeing that? Well, I, th- I think it's true that because of the counterproductive economic policies that the federal government has adopted over the last decade or more, that lots of people lost their jobs who had good-paying jobs. They got, got left, uh, got pink slips. And, you know, nowadays uh, is a period of time where no, no time before in history have people been unemployed for as long as they have currently. And I can't remember the, the numbers uh, offhand. But, so you have, you know, a computer programmer lost his job now working at McDonald's. And so that, that, that's what, what's happening where these, they're not really entry-level jobs, but they're jobs that people are forced to take because they've uh, lost their, their uh, got kicked off their career path. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, we, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, want to know uh, what your situation is. Uh, perhaps you're in the situation where you would uh, maybe be benefited you at least be affected by an increase in the minimum wage. And, and we're debating on the program today whether that effect would be good or bad. Uh, you can reach us at upraxis at gmail.com on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page or by calling 1-800-826-1495. Let me uh, further uh, sweeten the pot here. We have a pair of tickets, two pairs of tickets, to Celtic Night. This is an annual event in the Logan It'll happen at the Ellen Eccles Theater in downtown Logan Friday night and Saturday night. We have a pair of tickets to either uh, featuring Inish Free Irish Dance and Leaping Lulu. And uh, all you have to do is uh, call, give us your name and uh, phone number, and be able to come and pick those up. Uh, So your uh, call, your email, your Facebook comment, we hope, following the break. And we'll be talking more. Uh, on the living wage with uh, Dale Cox, president of the Utah AFL-CIO, and William Shugart, uh, J. Fish Smith, professor in public choice at USU Huntsman School of Business. The Be Well Moment is made possible by the USU Department of Human Resources Wellness Program at usu.edu hr. Stress is what you feel when you have to handle more than you are used to. When you are stressed, your body responds as though you are in danger. It makes hormones that speed up your heart, make you breathe faster, and give you a burst of energy. This is called the fight-or-flight stress response. Stress is normal, but if it happens too often or lasts too long, it can have bad effects. It can be linked to headaches, upset stomach, back pain, and trouble sleeping. It can weaken your immune system, making it harder to fight off disease. You probably can't delete all stress from your life, but you can get better at managing your stress. Start a stress journal, ask for help when you need it, do some deep breathing exercises and get some exercise. Find something that works for you and enjoy this life you've been given. This is Angela Helm for the Be Well program at Utah State University. Be well, Utah. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and AARP Utah, a nonpartisan social change organization with a membership helping people 50 and over improve their lives by providing materials, programs, and advocacy on key issues. More information is available at aarp.org. Should Utah mandate an increase in the minimum wage? That's a proposal from Representative Lynn Hemingway, Democrat of Salt Lake City's living wage bill, House Bill 73, would raise the minimum wage from the current $7.25 an hour to $10.25 an hour. Uh, And President Obama, in the meantime, is pushing for a higher federal minimum wage. Uh, And his quote, uh, I think, would be echoed by many who support uh, the living wage idea and an increase in the minimum wage. He says uh, that nobody who works full-time should ever have to raise a family in poverty. The idea is that if you, in good faith, uh, work as hard as you can, and some people are working uh, two and three jobs and still below the poverty line, that, that, that in, you know, in the richest country in the world, that should not be. Opponents say that uh, you can't, you shouldn't legislate from on high, as it were, uh, that the market uh, should take care of this and that things will be better if you let the market work that such measures are actually counterproductive, they say, often leading to reduction hours and loss of jobs. We're talking about the issue on the program today with Dale Cox, president of the Utah AFL-CIO, 
and William Shugart, J. Fish Smith Professor in Public Choice at the USU Huntsman School of Business. You're welcome and encouraged to join the conversation. We're especially looking to hear your story. Are you in that former category, working hard, working two and three jobs, still not making it? Would you be benefited, do you feel, by an increase in the minimum wage? Or is this a danger? Perhaps you're a small business owner. What do you think should be done about the minimum wage? We do have some comments coming in, and we're, we're going to get right to, to those. Uh, here's how you'd reach us. 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495 is the uh, phone number. You can reach us at upraxcess at gmail.com. That's the email, upraxcess at gmail.com. Or uh, join us on our uh, Utah Public Radio Facebook page. Uh, so let's go uh, first to uh, a, uh, a comment on our Facebook page. This is uh, Stephen on the Facebook page. He says, while a higher minimum wage is a great idea... What we really need is a more equal way to pay for goods and services. What most people fail to realize is that if minimum wage increases, so will the price of goods and services. More money chasing fewer goods is not a good idea. But raising the price beyond what most folks can afford is not a good idea either. If wages were raised commensurate with goods and services, we would not have so many issues. But in our beloved messed-up economy, we have the tail wagging the dog, until we have a return to good old-fashioned morals and values, this condition will continue to persist. Now, lest I'm accused of trying to bring two non-related things together, these things are, in fact, very related. Most people cannot see that, so the problem remains. Let me go first to um, Professor. What do you think of the comment? Well, I think that uh, speaks to the same point I, I, I made earlier, that uh, the extent to which an increase in the minimum wage would result in higher prices depends. It will vary greatly across industries. In some industries, uh, perhaps most of that increase in the minimum wage would be passed on, uh, but in many, it, it's not. Uh, and if it's not passed on, that means that the employer's profits go down. Uh, and, <clears throat> and, and you're so, so, sort of seeing the effects of, of this when you go to the grocery store or to Walmart. Uh, there are far fewer clerks uh, helping you check out, uh, and they're re replaced by scanning machines. And if we raise the minimum wage again, you might not be able to find any help, mm. <laughs> any human being, to help you check out. Mm. Let me uh, get a response uh, from Dale Cox. Uh, let me uh, preface it. You, you say anything you want about Stephen Amott's uh, comment, but... Uh, but, uh, Dale Cox, I wonder, first of all, uh, to this point, uh, I saw one study which said that uh, had wages uh, kept pace with inflation, uh, right now the current minimum wage would be set at $10.74 uh, per hour. And I, I, th I think I heard you say earlier in the program that's really all, all you're asking for is, is to keep pace. And, and, and that's right. And I agree with... Uh the person that sent the uh, email in, because this is part of the price of doing business. The problem is the employees have been left out of the out of that equation. As as I said earlier, as prices rise for goods and services, we pay a higher price at the at the store. But the part that's left out is the employee. That should be raising along with everything else. And I agree with the professor, but I believe that the scanners you see at the grocery store are just ways to optimize profit and cut out. I don't think it has anything to do with minimum wage because minimum wage, most of those tellers or uh, cashiers or checkers far exceed minimum wage. I think it's just another way to optimize profits. And personally, and it's just me, I refuse to go to those because I want to make sure that when the tally at the end of the day comes at the grocery store, my money is going to the human being that's actually helping us, not the machine that screws up half the time. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, uh, I don't go through the fully automated ones because I can never figure it out. That's my that's my <laughs> that's my reasoning. And and then the attendant has to come over and help me anyway. Well, that's interesting. You're you're doing it for a, a moral reason. You could call it. You, you want you want the money going to the employees. Yeah, and I I enjoy the the service, and that's that's it's the same thing in the restaurant industry. 
it's a service that counts and these are men and women that are trying to support their family as well and I want to do everything I can to make sure I support them in that in that process. Uh, let's go to our next uh, comment. This is on Facebook as well. This is Alyssa. Uh, she says, still paying for my college education, which enabled me to work for above minimum wage. Minimum wage should be an entry level for inexperienced, untrained workers, something for people just getting into the workforce. With experience and training and education come opportunities for higher wages. And she says, parenthetically, unless you work for the state and the legislature provides 1% cost of living raises every two to five years, if we're lucky, and uh, where the legislature is uh, advocating for experienced state workers to make a living wage. Let me go first to uh, Dale Cox on, on this one. Uh, she, she's in the, in the boat of the many, an increasing number are, coming out of college with a lot of debt. Uh, and the college, of course, was supposed to get us beyond the, the minimum wage, but uh, we got all that debt. Well, I, I agree with her 100%. They were the economy, and as the professor said earlier, we have an economy that has changed, and we haven't changed with it. As I said uh, a few minutes ago, when I started, I started at that level, and then I progressed in the company or you know in the industry. A lot of those opportunities no longer exist, and I think if you look at Representative Hemingway's, what Representative Hemingway is trying to do is just maintain the buying power. We're leaving the men and women that service us in industry or, you know, in the public sector out of the equation as prices raise. They're, they're left behind, and I, I just don't think that's, that's right morally or economically. Professor Shugart. We're not asking for yes. $100 an hour. We're asking just maintain the buying power they had in 1960. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Professor Shugart, uh, responding to Alyssa's uh, uh, comments, maybe I could frame it this way to, to begin with. Uh, again, back to this point of used to be uh, entry level. You know, you had the, that right. minimum level for entry level. Now more people are uh, sort of stuck at that level. So, so what do we do? Well, one thing you can do, uh, uh, proposals that many economists support, including me, is to have a sub-minimum wage for entry-level people. I don't know what the wage would be, but it would be less, certainly less than $10.10 an hour and probably less than seven twenty-five. I mean, what's happening here is that the we're pulling up the ladder that people used to, the first rung. I mean, I delivered pizzas when I was in college. I had low-wage jobs until I, until I graduated. Uh, and we're de- denying people the opportunity to get even minimal job skills, to learn that, you know, you know show up at work at, on time and to work hard and then leave at the end of the day. Those bottom rungs of the uh, ladder are, are being pulled away, and it's particularly true for young black men whose unemployment rates are 25% or more. Uh, so uh, one way of, of – so, so minimum wage that applies to everybody is hurting the very people that the supporters of the minimum wage say they intend to help. I want to follow up with that, but first I want to get to a call. Uh, Leo in Springdale, I believe, if I've got that right. Uh, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm curious why the professor is not arguing evidence versus ideology. Uh, there's, there's some notion that if you simplify these things politically, make these statements, then somehow that's a way to make it right or wrong. But there are facts. There's evidence. The professor knows these. I mean, uh, this is kind of strange that uh, the labor guy who is standing up for a large percentage of the population, labor, people who work for a living, uh, they are not doing well in our society. Capital is. You know, in, in other sciences, and I know this is politics, but in other sciences, we base our judgment or our our uh, actions on evidence. And, uh, you know, there are good studies that show states that raise minimum wage, states that don't raise minimum wage, jobs aren't lost. This is ideology. So uh, we do know that capital is accruing to people who don't necessarily work with their hands. What's going to be left? Well, thanks, Lee. That's a comment. 
Okay, thanks, Leo. We'll get the, the professor a chance to respond. Well, I, I didn't want to bore everybody with a lecture on the economics of the minimum wage, but <laughs> let me uh, say uh, one piece of evidence, and the caller, uh, I think, was referring to the study by David Card and, and Alan Kruger that compared, uh, looked at employment in fast food industries in New Jersey and, uh, and Pennsylvania during before and after a time when one of those states raised their uh, minimum wage and the other did not. And the Cardin Kruger did a survey and asked the wrong question. They asked, have you fired anybody, essentially, uh, in the state where minimum wage went up? And they said no. More careful economists, uh, including one I trained when I was a, teaching at Texas A&M, Ask the right question. What have you, have you reduced the hours of, uh, that you've allowed employees to work in the in the higher wage state? And the answer was yes. There's a significant reduction in hours worked as a result of an increase in the minimum wage. And I could go on ad nauseum, but that's just one one example. And there there's no economist, including economists who work for government, who uh, uh, think that the minimum wage uh, 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 does not have the effects that all economists talk about. Uh, raise the price of labor, reduce the demand for it, and that comes in reductions in hours, reductions in other benefits uh, on the job. But what happens to people like Paul Kruger, Krugman, people like Joe Stiglitz, people like Greg, Greg Mankiw, all of who have written principles of economics texts with the standard analysis of minimum wage that's been around since for 100 years, they get to Washington, and all of a sudden they uh, deny <laughs> what they wrote. Uh, Leo, are you still there? It looks, oh, it looks like Leo has left us, so uh, hopefully the uh, professor... Uh, uh, held that question to uh, to Leo's uh, satisfaction. Uh, we are talking about living wage, this idea that uh, articulated by President Obama, who's pushing for a higher federal minimum wage. Nobody who works full-time should ever have to raise a family in poverty. And if you look at uh, Poverty in America Living Wage Calculator, uh, one living wage calculator, this is at, at MIT.edu, by the way, uh, University of Pennsylvania is also involved in this, or Penn State, sorry, um, living wage calculator for Utah, uh, for example, if you have two adults and two children in your household, a living wage is $18.54 an hour. Poverty wage for that same family is $10.60 an hour. And, of course, minimum wage is $7.25 an hour. For an increasing number of people um, you know, trying to raise a, a family on minimum wage, uh, that, of course, is a problem. But is the solution uh, you know, worse than the situation or or not. And that's what we're debating on the program uh, today. Uh, so uh, you can uh, reach us. We hope that you will. Love to hear your situation, your comment. What do you think should be done at 1-800-826-1495. You can reach us at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. Or you can uh, reach us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. Uh, and uh, before we go to another break... I want to get to reaction um, from Dale Cox. So what, what do you think about, especially for Leo's uh, comments? Well, I'm, I'm not a trained economist other than trying to keep my family afloat. But I wonder about uh, what the professor said about the studies that show when minimum wage raises, hours drop. I'm wondering if those hours dropping are not punitive because and I'll use the, the uh, number of $10 an hour. If I'm paying $10 an hour, what does it matter if my employee gets 30 hours or 40 hours or 50 hours at $10 an hour because I'm going to pay that anyway, whether it's to that employee that I'm cutting back or to another employee that I'm hiring. So the, the numbers in my mind, don't jive because the outcome is the same. So the only reason you'd cut hours is, in my opinion, would be for punitive reasons, not for economic reasons. 
We will continue this discussion, of course. We're moving next to our last segment. And uh, so if you would like to participate in the program, we hope that you will. Uh, You'll need to get your call uh, or your email in here uh, quite quickly. We have, uh, by the way, given away one pair of tickets to Celtic Night. But we still have a pair of tickets left. I'm not sure whether this is for Friday or Saturday. uh, But if you're in the Logan area, Shalane's going to tell me. Okay, Friday's gone, but Saturday's still available for you. 7.30 in the evening on March 15th uh, in the Ellen Echoes Theater in downtown Logan. Celtic Night featuring Inish Free Irish Dance and Leaping Lulu. A pair of tickets to you for your call. Just call 1-800-826-1495. Give us your name and uh, phone number, and you have to be able to come and pick these up as well. More following the break. Waste not. A small drip leak on a faucet leaks up to 15 gallons per day. That's 450 per month. So make sure to check your faucets regularly. Another tip, turn off the water while brushing your teeth and save 25 gallons a month. Waste not is made possible by the Logan City Public Works Water Conservation Department. Information at loganutah.org slash publicworks. This is Terry Guy, Business Development Manager at Utah Public Radio. As a public radio station, we rely on support from listeners and businesses around our communities. Underwriting is vital to our public service mission of bringing local news, cultural events, and informational programming to our ever-expanding community of listeners statewide. If you are interested in becoming a UPR sponsor, call 435 797-3215 for more information. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and AARP Utah, a nonpartisan social change organization with a membership helping people 50 and over improve their lives by providing materials, programs, and advocacy on key issues. More information is available at aarp.org. Thanks for uh, being with us for Access Utah. Living wage is the topic today. This is an impulse, uh, an idea, a philosophy articulated by President Obama, among many others. He's pushing for a higher federal minimum wage. He says nobody who works full-time should ever have to raise a family in poverty. Increasing numbers of people uh, are working minimum wage, and this is beyond entry level, or that was designed originally. Uh, so what should be done? Should the minimum wage be raised? Uh, Representative Lynn Hemingway, Democrat from Salt Lake City, is proposing a living wage bill at the legislature this session, House Bill 73, which would raise the minimum wage in Utah from $7.25 an hour to $10.25 an hour. Interesting statistics. If you go to livingwage.mit.edu, look up Utah's, you'll find that a family in Utah, two adults and two children, the... Uh, Living wage is $18.54 an hour, so it illustrates the, uh, the problem. Those on the other side say we should not raise the minimum wage, say that uh, that's all well and good, but uh, there would be more problems with raising minimum wage than, the, than it would solve, uh, that uh, measures are actually counterproductive, often leading to reduction in hours, loss of jobs. We have with us uh, in studio uh, William Shugart, J. Fish Smith, professor in public choice, the USU Huntsman School of Business, and on the telephone with us is Dale Cox, president of the Utah AFL-CIO. We appreciate these gentlemen taking their time to be with us. And you can join us. Hope that you will. Love to hear your story and your comment. Uh, three ways. You can join us by telephone at 1-800-826-1495, on email to upraxis at gmail.com, or on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. And uh, we have uh, a pair of tickets to Saturday Night Performance, Celtic Night in Logan, just for your call, 1-800-826-1495. So we just have uh, 10 minutes left and uh, want to work through several other uh, questions and comments. Uh, So here is a comment from Jan in Hiram. Since some skills are valued more, wouldn't the wages of other jobs increase in response to higher prices and higher minimum wage and in the end, there wouldn't be any advantage to these workers. If the other wages didn't rise, would this prevent some people from seeking higher education and skills since they can make a better wage without it, eventually causing a shortage of higher skilled workers? How would this affect teenage workers? Uh, so thank you for that, uh, uh, that question, Jan. So, Professor Shugart, uh, do you see same potential problems here? Well, I don't see, uh, I don't know of any one who has looked at this idea that if you raise the minimum wage, that every, everybody above that wages go up too. 
I, I'm skeptical of that. Uh, I mean, the wage for each job depends upon the value of the, the, the worker's uh, contribution. And the com- commenter is right that, you know, some uh, skills are valued more highly than others. But what, what, what the minimum wage is supposed to do is to provide a, a, a way for young people, unskilled people, uh, people with less education uh, to get into the workforce, to, to work, uh, learn skills, job-related skills, and then to move up. And there's pr- plenty of upward mobility at the lower end. Uh, so I don't, I don't think that uh, it's true that if we uh, paid everybody $10.10 an hour, that the people at the next level up would automatically get a, the same almost $3 an hour r- uh, raise. Mm. I, I, don't, I don't think that's true. Uh, let me. Uh, we have a couple of callers. We'll go to them uh, first, and then we have another uh, email response. We'll, uh, we're running out of time, so I'll ask everyone to be brief. We'd appreciate the calls. Uh, Jake in Springdale is up next. Glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. D- did I get it right, Jake? Am I on? Uh, yes, go ahead. Uh, wonderful. Thank you for taking my call on this, this subject. Um, it's interesting. I've had this conversation on a number of levels with a number of people and never been able to get a satisfactory answer to the way I see it, which I'm not saying is necessarily right. And so I thought I would pose the scenario as I understand it. Maybe you guys can speak to it. I'll take my answer off the air. But uh, the way I look at it, when you raise the wage um, without increasing the value of the good or service being provided, um, I, I look at it that if I run the equation all the way to the end, there's only one of three possible scenarios. The um, you have to either increase the productivity, allowing more production of the good or service from less labor in the form of either reduced hours or less employees, uh, A, or scenario two, you have to increase the goods of your services provided, which then, as a consumer, because the employee is also going to be a consumer, uh, pay more for the same the services that they themselves provide, which negates any increase in wage, and or the business owner in this uh, personally increases the wage but doesn't increase the price. So eventually, business and I pose those three scenarios to multiple people, and no, and at the conversation we end up shrugging and then going back to work. No. So, uh, without a, a real satisfactory answer, so. Uh, anyway, if if anyone could maybe go uh, Jake, you're you're cutting out, but I think we got your we we've got your um, your point. Uh, let me go first to Dale Cox on this. This is uh, as we've heard, you know, from uh, Professor Shugart earlier in the program. Uh, if you raise labor costs, then you know something's got to give. What would you say? Oh, I I wholly agree. Something will give, and I think the price of the product will increase marginally. But we go right back to the same, same scenario that these men and women have not kept up with inflation. So if, if we really value our, our workers and our men and women, and we're fortunate in the labor force or in uh, organized labor that we, we have uh, we're far exceeded minimum wage and our benefits and, and such, but this is more of a moral issue. These these men and women no longer have the a lot of them no longer have the steps that that the professor and I did. And as the professor said earlier, he delivered pizza. And I think this bill he del- delivered pizza years ago, but I think this bill is the same has the same effect. All we want to do is have these men and women and hopefully there is a job for them to move on. I've seen too many. You go to McDonald's, and we'll use McDonald's as an example. You go to McDonald's, those aren't teenagers anymore. Those are moms and dads in there. Or what really breaks my heart are retirees trying to make ends meet. But if we can just raise it to so these people that are working minimum wage jobs now have the same buying powers a professor did when he was, was uh, delivering pizza, we've won. 
let's uh, we uh, we would get a response from the professor on this, uh, but we, we need to crunch through some more uh, calls uh, here. Um, I phrased that badly. We, we, we don't want to. We, we appreciate your call. <laughs> so William in Wellsville is up next. Appreciate your call. Go ahead with your question or comment. Uh, I worked my way through college and I borrowed money and it took me 10 years to pay the money back. Uh, I became a teacher and they don't get paid real well, but I knew that going into that. I, uh, I worked a second job. I worked a second job, full-time job, for most of my career, 38 years. I also joined the reserves. Uh, when I found that there wasn't enough money, I just went out and I worked. I was my own resource. Uh, I didn't complain. And I can go out and find a job today. In fact, I am now trying to find jobs as a retired teacher, and I've retired three times. And still, it's not enough, especially when you consider how much uh, medicine costs now. Uh, it just it blows you right out of the water. Uh, you guys are being academic about a lot of this. Everybody lives these, and they have their choices. I think education is the number one thing, uh, getting some skills, and it's up to the individual to do that. I know all of us aren't uh, born with the same opportunities, but we can all, we can all work harder. And, and this, our whole lives sh shouldn't be built around uh, this traditional sense that 40 hours a week is, is uh, as much as we should work or, or else we're being mistreated. I'll take my uh, response off the off the air. Thank you very okay, much. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you, William. Uh, Professor, would you would you echo those? those yeah, I, I I would. I think uh, minimum wage uh, reduces the incentives to be responsible for your own life. Uh, but in response to the previous comment, I want want to say that one thing I hadn't mentioned so far is that in addition to re reducing hours or reducing the number of people employed, that when, uh, often firms respond to uh, increases in minimum wage by trying to get their workers to work harder, uh, to mo monitor them, them more closely, to give them fewer breaks. Uh, at McDonald's, maybe sometime in the past, you got to eat lunch there for free. Uh, now uh, that can be taken away. Uh, so wages are not the only form of compensation. And I worry about reductions in non-wage compensation to help pay for the increase in wage compensation. Mm. Uh, we do have another couple of responses, but I want to get a response from Adele Cox to, to William's uh, comments. Well, I, I don't disagree with him. I did the same thing. I worked two jobs uh, when I was younger, and nobody, I don't think anybody thinks the 40-hour work week is just a given. If you're going to get ahead, you're going to work hard, and you're going to continue to do that. And I think these minimum wage people have been pigeonholed as, as not willing to do that, and I just don't think that's the case. But I agree with him. If you're going to get ahead, Every tool in your toolbox helps you do that, and you, you need to keep striving for that, and I'm sure these people are doing the same thing. This is uh, Kevin from uh, on our, our Facebook page. By the way, he shared our post. Thank you to Kevin. Uh, he says, I don't know if we need a response to this, but he says, we can take it directly from legislators' paychecks, I guess that extra money to minimum wage, <laughs> and as a tax on money I'm spent in. by corporate lobbyists. So, okay. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Kevin. Uh, and, I, you know, I think many, many people would share uh, Kevin's uh, point of view. Uh, let's get uh, this comment from our Facebook page as well. This is directed to Professor Shugart, so I'll have him respond at least first. The professor mentioned, David says, the professor mentions Walmart perhaps having to reduce the number of cashiers if the minimum wage is raised. I'm curious as to how much the CEO of Walmart makes or how much the top 10 executives at Walmart make. These are folks in the top 1% of earners, and I don't know how much they make, but my guess is that each of them make many millions of dollars per year. My point is that I believe most of this issue is driven by greed. What do you say, Professor? Uh, that, that, I don't agree with that. Uh, I think uh, the salaries of CEOs are set in the marketplace just like the salaries of the clerks at, at Walmart are. are. And uh, it's true that there uh, has been – we've gone through a period of time when uh, boards of directors of corporations have been asleep at the switch. Uh, but uh, in, the, in the long run uh, – Unless the CEO uh, adds value to the firm, 
at least equal to the amount he's paid, he's not going to be the CEO for very much longer. Hmm. Dale Cox, I wonder, is this something you're hearing, you'd hear from your members, this idea of this uh, inequity? Uh, all the time. I don't know, oh. and, and this is just me speaking, I don't know anybody that's worth $50 million a year when they make that on the the uh, backs of the men and women in the factories or in the on the farms or in the oil fields. I mean, they take the risk, they have the education, but equal compensation, if, if you have a skill set, you should be compensated for that skill set, not, uh, not the other way around. And, and uh, I, I don't want to take anything away from corporate boards or, or CEOs or CFOs, but they're forgetting about the people that are helping them make that profit. And uh, we'll get the final comment in from Terry in Providence. So we're running out of time. We're just a couple of minutes left. This is what Terry says. I don't understand how the federal government can allow restaurant owners to pay less than minimum wage, expecting their customers to supplement their payroll by tipping. The menu price should reflect food and cost of doing business. A minimum wage should be expected for a good day's work. The tip should be a bonus for good service. I believe in leaving a 15 to 20 percent tip for good service, but I don't think this should be expected to pay an hourly wage. If I have poor service, I'll leave less. If an employer can't pay a minimum wage, then they should reconsider their business model. A waiter waitress working 30 hours a week is only, uh, quote, unquote, guaranteed $217.50 a week. Many are not scheduled a full 30 hours. The American federal uh, government requires a wage of at least $2.13 per hour to be paid to employees that receive less than $30 per month in tips. If wages and tips do not equal the federal minimum wage of $7.25 per hour during any pay period, the employer is required to increase cash wages to compensate. She quotes there from regulations. That's Terry in Providence. Um, and uh, we're just about out of time. Um, I would say that uh, Representative Hemingway's bill does uh, provide for a slight increase in uh, minimum wage, that lower wage for, for tip earners. Let me try to get this uh, final comment in from uh, uh, Nolan. He says, I'm torn. One side of me thinks that no matter who you are, you should be able to provide for your family, regardless of the job you hold. At the same time, there are government programs to help supplement lack of wages to those needing assistance. Getting rid of these programs is a whole discussion on its own. At the same time, I spend thousands of dollars and many years obtaining my degree in hopes for a better-paying job. In regards to that, I don't think it would be fair to offer a comparable wage to unskilled workers. Disregarding all of that, I think it would only increase the cost of goods and services to match the inevitable, uh, the inevitable rates employers would need to charge to keep up the payroll. Unless there were to be another government program in place to help small business owners, yet another discussion, I don't see how th things working out. I think the proposal idealistic, not realistic. So Nolan's raised a lot of things, I think uh, nicely sums up the discussion, so we'll leave it there. We're out of time. Uh, we appreciate uh, William Shugart, professor at Utah State University, for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, Dale Cox, president of Utah AFL-CIO, thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Good discussion. Much more we could say in perhaps another program in the future. And uh, for uh, producer uh, Shalane Smith-Needham, I'm Tom Williams. Thanks so much for listening today. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and AARP Utah, a nonpartisan social change organization with a membership helping people 50 and over improve their lives by providing materials, programs, and advocacy on key issues. More information is available at aarp.org. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 89.5 Logan, KUSK HD1 88.5 Vernal, KUSL HD1 89.3 Richfield, KUST HD1 88.7 Moab, KCEU 89.7 Price, and KUSU FM HD1 91.5 Logan.